But uh, today we're in, in John chapter 11, starting in verse 28. This is the word of the Lord. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary. So that's Martha. When, when Martha, Martha had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and, he, and is calling for you. And when uh, she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, uh, we are daily in need of your truth, the hope of the gospel to be our food. Jesus has told us that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. And uh, so we are hungry for your truth. And um, as we are all separated in, in our homes, we pray that together your, your, your truth, the gospel, would bind us together and, and uh, give each one of us uh, strength and encouragement and hope and assure us of your love. And so we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would be our teacher now and uh, that you would lead us to Jesus, our, our Lord, and that we would receive him with both faith and with obedience. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we, as I mentioned, we're in our second week uh, looking at uh, John chapter 11, the story of, of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And we're, we're going to take this story in three chunks, just so that there's so many details and so many important truths in this story, and so we're going to take it uh, bit by bit. And last week, uh, Craig gave us a, a fantastic sermon on the topic of death, and it just, of course, felt so appropriate as, as we're in this season where, uh, uh, you know, virus is, is spreading through our, our world, and, uh, and during, in that first section, uh, he he talked about the story about Martha, who, who went out to meet Jesus. Jesus had, had heard that Lazarus was sick, and, and he delayed his coming to come visit Lazarus. And, and it was when Lazarus had been dead for four days that Jesus finally came. And so uh, Martha came to him, and they, they talked together. They had this deep theological question. We hear some of the most important words from our Lord about Jesus says that he is the resurrection and the life, and whoever believes in him will never die, and these important uh, truths. Well, in our passage that we're studying to, uh, today, Mary, who's Martha's sister, uh, goes out to meet Jesus, and there are subtle but important differences between Martha and Mary. 
and their reactions to the death of their brother. And so this week, we're going to be focusing on the related topic of grief. What does the Bible say about loss and how to grieve as a Christian? Uh, which is it's such an important question because you know, Christians can often be uh, tempted to brush aside grief because you know, we feel like we're supposed to trust God. As we say, well, you know, God works everything for good. And whatever happens, we, we just need to trust him. And, uh, they, and it suggests that to feel the pain of loss means that we actually don't trust God. But here in this passage, we read these profound words about the very Son of God. Jesus wept. Jesus perfectly trusted the wisdom and providence of his Father, but that did not mean that he should not grieve. In fact, he shows us that healthy, full human life knows how to grieve. It's essential to our humanity. And so today we're going to consider the topic of grief by uh, answering these three simple questions. Uh, what should we, uh, how should we grieve? How did Jesus grieve? And how can he help us to grieve? So three simple questions. How should we grieve? What, what should we do? How does Jesus grieve? And how does he then help us to grieve? And, uh, you know, this is the fourth Sunday in the uh, season of Lent, and Lent is, a, is traditionally a season of fast, 40 days of fasting leading up to Good Friday and Easter, and so it's appropriate that we have these two uh, sermons thinking about our, the frailty of, of our lives and uh, thinking about death last week and thinking about grief this week, and so uh, important uh, for us during this season, and so we have three simple questions this morning, and the first is this. How should we grieve? How should we grieve? What wisdom does the Bible have for us in our grief? And I, I want to point out three answers to that question from this, from this passage. Three answers. First is this. We should grieve in worship. When tragedy and hardship and loss comes into our lives, it is crucial that we grieve in a posture of worship. And, you know, this passage begins with uh, Martha going to marry her sister and saying to her that Jesus is calling her to come to him. And then it says in verse 32, Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. Now this is important because we see that Mary's grief is more emotional. It's kind of less collected than Martha's grief was that we saw last week. And so some commentators say, you know, why was Mary falling at Jesus' feet? Maybe it was just an emotional collapse. She just emotionally collapsed at his feet. You know, other commentators say, well, falling at someone's feet is the posture of worship. You know, when you come into the, uh, the presence of a king, you fall at their, their feet to honor them. And maybe it's both these things. Maybe it's an emotional collapse and she's falling at his feet to worship him. Um, she may not know what to say to Jesus about the loss of her brother, but the conversation that's about to happen happens in the posture of worship. That Mary is saying to Jesus, you are God and I am not. Which means, by the way, that you know, when we come together for worship, we should expect that there are people in the room who are grieving. I mean, I mean some of you may be 
in a state of grieving uh, now. Uh, we should also know that uh, it's okay to be in a worship service and to be grieving, to be present there. And, you know, I've, I, I know that's hard to do. I've come to worship services when I'm in grief. And I've seen how hard it is to be there and how deeply I needed to be there. I needed to be in the place of worship when I was grieving. And, uh, you know, I'll talk about this more in a, in a few minutes. But I, I do think that worship gives some direction and some guardrails for our emotional life as we face the tragedy and the loss that we experience in a, in a fallen world like ours. And, and, you know, Calvin is interesting on this passage. He had, when you read Calvin's commentary on this, this section, there's this one paragraph that's really strange where he says, you know, you shouldn't go visit grave sites because it'll stir up all this emotion inside of you, which I, I think is a kind of, uh, uh, he doesn't fully appreciate the emotional life that the uh, Bible encourages for us. I know actually when I lost my dad this, this past year, it, it was a great fear of mine. I, you know, I don't cry a whole lot. And I thought, you know, I love my dad so much. What if I come to a memorial service at the end of his life and I don't weep? I mean, I, I feel so embarrassed by that. And I wanted my emotions to be stirred up. And I was grateful. I prayed that God would stir my emotions. I was grateful uh, to weep. And so it's interesting that Calvin then in the next section has this really full explanation about Jesus' emotional life. And he fully defend, he defends the full um, uh, human emotional life of Jesus. And, uh, and the only thing that he says that was different about Jesus' emotional life and our emotional life is he says, you know, our emotional life can sometimes just run off wild. And, and Jesus had the full uh, human expression of emotional life, but it was all in obedience and love to his father. And so we should be aware that in the midst of grief, we may be tempted to defy God. And as emotional as Mary's response is to the death of her brother, she grieves at the feet of Jesus. And I think so should we. That's the place of grief is, is in the posture of worship at Jesus' feet. Now, some of you will hear that and you say, okay, we're supposed to grieve worshiping God and honoring God and believing in God. You know, isn't that going to cause us to not be honest about the pain that we're feeling? We're just supposed to say, you know, God's in control and we should trust him and we got to pull it together. We got to move on with our life. And well, I don't think that's what we see in this passage uh, because the second answer to how we should grieve is not only that we should grieve in, in worship, but that's paired with we should grieve in honesty. There is a rawness to Mary in this passage. In verse 32, again, it says this. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, if you remember last week, those words, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, are the exact same words that uh, Martha said to Jesus when she went out to meet him. They're both saying, Lord, you should have been here. You should have done something to prevent this. It's what many of us want to say when we're in the midst of tragedy and grief and loss. But uh, Martha adds a bit of theology at the end of her line to kind of soften her complaint against Jesus. This is what it says back in verse 21. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. And then she goes on, you know, you skip a verse later, and she says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So if Martha, she comes to Jesus, she says, I'm upset. 
but I know that everything's going to be all right in the end. I know that you could still do something now, and I know that on the last day on the resurrection, uh, you know, the tears will be wiped away, and I'll get to be with him. Mary is different. There's no, I know things are going to be all right. There's a deeper resentment in Mary. There's a deeper pain, a deeper bitterness. She falls at his feet, but then she gives a really raw complaint. And this posture, falling at the feet, falling, worshiping the Lord and complaining at the same time, is, uh, is present throughout the Bible, especially true in the, in the Psalms, to worship God and to be honest with him at the same time. The Lord welcomes this. The Lord encourages it. And we know that Mary was extremely devout. Actually, the, the other famous story about Mary and Martha is in the Gospel of Luke. And in that story, Martha is off, you know, in the kitchen. She's being very busy about, you know, taking care of things. And Mary is at the feet of Jesus. She's one of his disciples. She loves his words. She's devoted to him. She's a, a, deeply connected with him. And, you know, I think that this is often the case, that the people who most deeply feel a connection with Jesus— you know, feel, you know, I have these spiritual experiences that, that he is there and he's present, and he's real, and these experiences of wonder and worship are the same people who feel the darkest despair or they feel his absence most profoundly. Those who feel the most have, you know, the, the brightest uh, day and light that they walk into and into the deepest pits of darkness. And so when we say, how should, how should we grieve? We have both these things that we should grieve in, in a posture of worship. That's what Mary does. But we should also grieve in, hon in honesty. God invites us to bring our pain to him. One more answer to how should, we, how should we grieve is that we see in this passage is that we should also grieve in community. And you see in this passage, verse 31, how it says, When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now what this is describing is a traditional mourning party or mourning ceremony. These people that had gathered to mourn with, uh, with Mary and Martha. And this is something that you know, our culture has lost because our culture uh, very deeply values authenticity and sincerity. And so the idea that there's kind of a formal, traditional way that you're supposed to grieve, you know, in, in these uh, mourning parties, they would hire mourners to come so that there would be people there to mourn. And, you know, that would be totally strange to us. We want people who are going to mourn who really mean it, and it kind of comes from within themselves. But as a result of that, since we don't have any forms or we don't have any traditions or any structure for how to grieve, we don't know how to do it. And so grief... Uh, becomes very awkward for us. We want to be there for people, but we don't know what to say or what to do. And it's not just the fellow mourners who feel that way. The person grieving feels very awkward. You know, they might not want to talk to anyone. They certainly don't want to have any small talk. But they might also not want to be alone. You know, I, I remember uh, just a couple days before uh, my dad went to be with the Lord, and I was here at church, and uh, we were taking communion, and I was off to the side, and um, I definitely wanted to, wanted to be with people, but I really didn't want to talk to anyone, and I was praying, and I had my 
face in my hands and weeping and praying and grieving that my dad was about to, I was about to lose my dad. And Aaron Lundy, who is a member of our church, he just came up next to me and he put his arms around me and he just told me that he loved me. And it meant so much to me. I, didn't, I couldn't have a conversation. I didn't even know what to say. Actually, I, but then I, oh, this is all that's happening. <laughs> I, I think I spilled my, my heart out to him. Uh, and that means that, uh, that people need to know that we are grieving. And one of the things that impresses me about Mary in this passage is that she has these mourners just following her around. You know, uh, they see that she's leaving and they think she's going to the tomb. And so, well, we'll just follow. We'll just kind of walk behind and we're going to grieve with you. And, and they're like, you don't have to talk to us. We're just going to be here around here. We're just going to be present. That's uh, what it means to grieve in community is just to have people present. And when we are present with those who are grieving, even if we don't have words to say or even if we're silent, we are carrying the sorrows with one another. And when someone is carrying the sorrows and the grief with us, it makes it more bearable. It gives us strength to walk through it. And the way the Apostle Paul puts it in the book of Romans is he, said, he calls the church to weep with those who weep. And so how do we grieve? Uh, we grieve in worship at the feet of Jesus. We grieve in honesty. We can be raw with our complaint and our emotions before the Lord. He invites us to bring those raw emotions to him. And we grieve in community. We weep with those who weep. And this last point, I think, helps us understand um, the second question that we're bringing to this passage. is not just uh, how do we grieve, but, but how does Jesus grieve? What does it mean for Jesus to grieve? And of course, in this passage, we see that he too weeps with those who weep. What we're commanded to do, weep with those who weep, Jesus himself does. God himself does. And you see that there in verse 33, where it says, When, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had uh, come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. And you know, this translation doesn't really do justice to the visceral response Jesus is having in this scene. The Greek word there for deeply moved uh, can refer to the snorting of horses. It's a word uh, for deep anger and indignation. Uh, Jesus is responding to the brokenness of the world, the effect of sin on the world, that it tears people apart and brings sickness and death into our world and the effects of the curse on his world. And he is outraged. That's Jesus' response, is outrage. And this raises a very deep question for us because for many of us, when we face uh, tragedy, when we face loss, uh, the question for us is, what is God's posture? Like, How is God feeling about this? You know, what is God's face like? Is it stoic? Is it sad? Um, and these are often the most important times in our lives. And uh, the times where we turn to God most desperately when we are grieving. Well, Jesus is God. If you want to know what God is like, you look at Jesus. God is sobbing and snorting and angry at the brokenness of the world. And so when we ask, you know, so did God weep when my dad died last year? Is that what I should see on his face? When I felt that loss, that he felt that loss. 
Well, I'm going to tell you there's, there's actually a couple problems in answering that question. So I'm going to do a bit of theology. I think it's important theology right here. Because on the one hand, God does not have emotional ups and downs. You know, he's not happy one day, sad the next. You know, we're kind of moody and we go up and down. God is definitely not like that. You know, God is immutable. It means he doesn't change. So he doesn't have emotional ups and downs. But on the other hand, you can't split the person of Jesus into these two natures. There's the God Jesus and then there's the man Jesus. There is, Christians throughout history have insisted that though Jesus had two natures, God and man, he's fully God and he's fully man, he was one person. And so when we G- see Jesus weeping, it is the Jesus who is God who is weeping. And so it raises a question, can God be grieved or can, is God not grieved? Well, I, this week I uh, called up our resident theologian, Brandon Ellis, he's one of our ruling elders, and I posed this question to him. And one of the things that uh, Brandon has always insisted to me, it's been something that's really helpful to me over the years, is that when the Son of God became human, he wasn't taking away from his deity, from his godness. He was adding humanity to it. It was not subtractive, it was additive. You know, so, for example, when Jesus dies on the cross and, and he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It doesn't mean that the Trinity was broken, that the Father abandoned the Son. That's not what happened. It was that Jesus was taking our alienation upon himself. He was carrying it for us. So he wasn't losing something. He was adding something to who he was, and it was our condition. It was our sorrows. And with regard to grief, this is precisely what the Bible says that Jesus did. Isaiah 53 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Now this might sound like abstract theology to you, but I think it's really helpful. Because what it says is that God does for us what we do for each other when we weep with those who weep. You know, when I'm grieving... And you're present with me, and you sit with me, and you weep with me, and you feel the pain that I'm feeling. You soften the pain in me. You breathe hope into my grief. You give strength to walk the dark path that's before me. You carry some of the load for me. And if that has a profound impact for how we grieve for each other, how much more to think that Jesus himself carries the load too, that he has carried all of our sorrows, Every sorrow that we've experienced, he is carrying as well. There's no sorrow you have experienced in your life that has not been carried, that has not been wept and snorted and been enraged by, uh, that he he has not uh, wept over and snorted and been enraged by. Because, Because of that, in grief, we have the potential to come very close to the loving heart of God. Because Jesus carries our sorrows, it's in our grief that we have the potential to come very close to the loving heart of God. And over the last uh, several years, I've actually been present with three people who have gone to be with the Lord, with Steve Peshek and Bob Newell and then my own dad. I I was with them when they went to be with the Lord. And there's no experience in my whole ministry where I've experienced the presence of Jesus so vividly as in those settings of death and grief. And the, actually, the day that my dad went to be with the Lord, I went and stopped by my old pastor's house, Bert Hitchcock, and 
he sat and he talked with me and we talked about my dad and I, and I was telling him, you know, I just how I, close the, the kind of unseen world where God is felt when I was with my dad as he was, you know, passing, you know, into, into the, the Lord's presence. And one of the things that Bert said, you know, he's been a pastor for decades, he's retired now, and he said that every time he's walked with people through death and through grief, this world became less real. And the coming world, you know, uh, the, the reality of who God is became more real. Because for most of us, you know, we become Christians and we say, you know, this concrete world, it seems, I know this is here, I know it's real, and I'm hoping that that other world where God is and the truth of, of the Bible, I hope that that's all true, but I can't really see it, and it feels very thin. This feels concrete, that feels thin. But through each step of death and grief, he said this world became the one that's kind of transient and passing away and feels very thin. And that world became sure and solid and immovable. That's what happens in our experiences of grief when Jesus carries our grief with us. Now, some of you might hear that and say that doesn't always happen. You know, for some people, they go through grief, and God feels more real. Other people, they go through grief, and they feel like, I, God wasn't there. I'm not even sure that God is there. It's, it seems like uh, God be, seems less real now because of the tragedy and the loss that I've experienced. And, um, and that is true, that grief will, in general, drive you toward God or will drive you away from him, but it won't leave you the same. And that's why our, our first, you know, question was, you know, how should we grieve? You know, we need to grieve in a posture of worship and be honest and be in community. Um, but we do this because Jesus has carried all of, all of our sorrows, and he is the center of our community that weeps with those who weep. But I think this also leads to our final question. How does Jesus help us grieve well? How does Jesus help us grieve well? If we, grief is going to change us. How does he ensure that we, we grieve with the Lord? And the answer is, he calls us to himself. He calls us to himself. Now, if last week, the passage that Craig preached on, we saw that M Martha when she heard that Jesus had come, she rushed out to him and she said, oh, Jesus, I want to talk to you. My brother, if you'd been here, you would have died. And what's happening with the resurrection? And, you know, can you still raise him? And, but Mary's different. Mary doesn't rush out to Jesus. She hears that he comes. And maybe, uh, maybe she's angry. Maybe she just doesn't have the strength to go and talk to him and to face him. Maybe she's depressed. But we read in, in verse 28, it says, when, Mary, when Martha had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. In the midst of Mary's anger and depression and sorrow and hurt, Jesus personally knows her, calls her. He intuits what she is facing in that house, and she, he says, I want you to come to me. In the midst of her resentment, he calls her to come to himself. And what happens immediately after that in verse 29? And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. And that word for rose quickly is the same word that's used in the end of the Gospel of John. 
to talk about Jesus' resurrection from, from the dead. And what that's saying is that this story isn't just about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead, but there is a mini-resurrection that is happening in Mary too. When people die, a part of us dies with them. You know, C.S. Lewis said this about his friend uh, Charles Williams. When he had these two friends, Charles Williams and J.R.R. Tolkien. And when uh, Charles Williams uh, died, he, he said he lost some of Tolkien as well. And Tolkien lost some of him. Some of them died because who they were was wrapped up in this person. That's what Craig said last week. The death is separation. And that separation is felt both by the person who dies and the person who is left. Jesus helps us grieve by calling us to himself. And in that personal love, new life emerges in us. And so what does the Bible have to teach us about grief? Well, we learn that we need to grieve in worship. We need to be at Jesus' feet. We need to grieve in honesty. We can bring our complaints and our pain and our hurt to the Lord. And we need to grieve in community. We need people carrying our grief with us knowing that Jesus himself weeps with us and calls us to himself. And then we grieve in hope and in the power of the resurrection. And so the call of this passage, may we be a community for the grieving. May we know that we can come to this community grieving so that we too may know the, the comfort and the love and the hope of the Savior who weeps with us. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, uh, we praise you that you have sent your son to uh, carry our burdens. You've laid our burdens upon him so that as we walk through the brokenness and loss of this world, we don't carry that great burden alone. We have not only each other, but we have the Lord Jesus himself. We thank you for the love that we see in this passage, that he weeps with those who weep. And may we too be a community where you would draw the grieving, that they would know that they can grieve in honesty about the pain and loss that they're experiencing, but also grieve in hope. Hope that um, there is a God who has made all things good and a God who will wipe away every tear in the end. And so whatever dark valleys you have for us, we may walk them uh, trusting in you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.